grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this day as we celebrate and commemorate the festival of St. Stephen. Our second reading from Acts chapter 6 and 7, especially these words. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopping their ears, rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the Christmas carols are still echoing in our ears and in our hearts. I heard them this morning on the radio. This is the season of Christmas. More than just a day, but an entire season where we rejoice and celebrate in the greatest gift that mankind has ever seen, God giving His Son, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Logos, the Word, made flesh for us and for our salvation. Christmas is always a time of family. It's a time of love and gift giving. Candles and silent night. How can you not be filled with the emotions of the season? How can you not be filled with the emotions of Christmas? Emotions always fade. Christmas needs to be more than a warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling. The message of Christmas and God's gift of His Son is transformative. We know that this babe doesn't stay a babe in a manger. This babe, this Jesus, this God-man grew up full of wisdom and truth. Very, very little is recorded for us with regard to the first 30 years of Jesus' life. But Jesus, baptized in the Jordan by John, begins his public ministry. And immediately after he is baptized, he is flung by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Why? So that he could be tempted by Satan. Where the first Adam failed. The second Adam, Jesus, withstood even the temptation of Satan. But there was so much more to the work and the ministry of Jesus. He preached. He taught. 
Many signs and miracles accompanied his teaching. He healed the sick. He calmed the storms. He raised the dead. He fed the multitudes. Jesus, truth incarnate, spoke the truth. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here, right now, in your midst. God in the flesh. Repent and believe the good news. He was no political activist. He was no social justice warrior. He had one thing and one thing in mind. Your salvation. Many people heard and witnessed Jesus. And they believed and were saved. Many, but not all. There were some who were worried about their status, their position, their power, their customs. There were many who heard the truth and rejected it. They plotted and schemed behind the scenes. They would do anything to silence this Jesus. But when Jesus performed what was at that time the mother of all miracles, raising Lazarus from the dead after he had already been in the tomb for four days, they knew that this Jesus must die. So... Their plotting and their scheming took on a whole new dimension. They coerced one of the twelve, Judas, enticing him with money. They gathered up false witnesses. A kangaroo court was held in the middle of the night. Jesus was put on trial. Pilate mockingly said, Ha! What is truth? He knew Jesus was innocent, but he feared for his own skin. So washing his hands, he gave the people what they wanted. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Jesus stood like a lamb before its shearers, silent. He wouldn't do justice to their false claims. But when they asked him plainly, tell us, are you the Christ? And when Jesus said, I am, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. And they led him out, outside the city, to be crucified. Jesus, the Holy One, the Holy One of God, mocked, ridiculed, martyred. My friends, it's a sad story, isn't it? But the story does not end there. What evil men, what evil in general, intended for the Christ could not win. 
Death could not hold the truth of God down. Three days later, Jesus, who was stone cold dead, is now alive, never to die again. For 40 days, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses. Forty days after Easter, he physically, bodily ascended into heaven and said, I am sending you the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened ten days later on Pentecost. The church, full of this Jesus dead and alive message, full of the truth of God's word, set ablaze by the Holy Spirit, proclaimed the words of Jesus. People were baptized. The church grew. God be praised. The church, as it always does, encountered some problems. People were whining and complaining because the, the distribution of the food to the poor didn't seem to be done equitably. Some people were seemed to be discriminated against. So the church raised up seven deacons. People who were full of the Holy Spirit, who had been trained and examined, set them apart, ordained them for their ministry. One of them was a man named Stephen. Tradition says he was the oldest of the group, but we don't know that that's the case. And Stephen, as we read in our second reading from Acts 6 and 7, was full of grace and power. Where did this grace and power come from? From God. He heard the Word of God. He believed the Word of God. And because he heard and believed the Word of God, he confessed the Word of God in his words and in his life. How could he do anything else? Stephen had many great signs and wonders accompany his message of the Word of God. And many who saw and heard and witnessed the growth of the church and the proclamation of Jesus crucified and risen were not happy. They didn't want this truth. They didn't want their customs and their traditions changed. They wanted salvation the old-fashioned way. They wanted to earn it. And so, Stephen was brought to trial. Many false witnesses and plotting and scheming went on behind the scenes. Stephen was not full of fear. He was not full of panic. He wasn't trying to strike a plea bargain. No. His face was like the face of an angel. Doesn't mean he was perfect. It means he was at peace. 
It means he was full of courage. He knew that nothing that they could do to him could snuff out the truth of God's word. The truth of Christ's victory over sin, death, and the grave. Not trial, not persecution, not pain, not suffering, not even death itself. And so Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God, made the good confession to those who held his life in their hand. He spoke the truth. He preached a good law, gospel, sermon, much of which is not included in our reading. And I would just encourage you to read those 50 or so verses of that sermon that we skip over due to length. But at the end, Stephen does the unthinkable. The people would be willing to believe that, that Jesus was a good man. That he was, he was a good moral example or a good teacher. But there was one thing they could not tolerate. This proclamation that Jesus, this man, Jesus, was God. To their ears, that was blasphemy. And Stephen boldly proclaimed that he saw Jesus in heaven next to God the Father standing at his right hand. That might catch you a little bit off guard. We confess that Jesus is, is seated at the right hand of God. His position of power and authority. Here, Jesus is standing, not laying flat in the sleep of death, but standing with all power and might and authority, standing as ruler over heaven and earth, standing for all those who confess the truth of God's word. The people had heard enough. They ground their teeth. They took him outside the city walls and they pelted him with stones. See the cover of our bulletin? Every depiction of Stephen in art throughout the ages always has at least a stone. And many times, Stephen is even holding the biggest rock. Stephen boldly and fearlessly confessed the truth even as he was pelted by these death-delivering stones. Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. I wonder where he heard those words before echoing Jesus from the cross. Me? I would be tempted to be hurling out curses and insults. Revenge! Stephen? 
Lord, do not hold this sin against them. I wonder where he had heard that before. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, was full of courage. Not a courage that he had generated on his own. Not a courage that he had learned in some self-help seminar or book technique. Courage of being filled by the Holy Spirit. Courage in knowing the truth, living the truth, and confessing the truth. My friends, the witness and the example of Stephen is so very appropriate. Not only for this season of each, uh, Christmas, for the day after Christmas, while the carols are still echoing in our ears, but for every day in the life of a Christian. This is reality. Now, many of us will not be arrested and put on trial and threatened with death because of our Christianity. Although, my friends, that day is much closer today than it was just a few months or a few years ago. The reality for us is more, more of a soft persecution, if I can say it that way. You know what I mean. Being, being passed over for a promotion at work or for playing time on the team because of making the good confession that living a Christian life or being in God's house is important. Soft persecution of losing a boyfriend or a girlfriend because of moral choices that you make with regard to God's gift of sexuality. Soft persecution, like being uninvited from family gatherings because of a moral stand that you have taken, a moral stand based on the clear word of God. Soft persecution, when people mock and ridicule you because you actually believe in the sanctity of human life rather than the progressive sacrament of abortion. Soft persecution, when you're mocked by your investment advisor or your golfing buddies because of stewardship choices you've made regarding your time and your talents and your treasure. This kind of soft persecution is all around us. And there have been many times when we have had an opportunity to boldly confess the truth and we kept quiet. We went along to get along. There have been many times when we spoke up 
against the very things that we believe, teach, and confess as Bible-believing Christians. My friends, today, as we remember St. Stephen, let us be reminded of where Stephen's courage came from. It came from the truth of God's word. The truth that Stephen was a sinner and deserving of punishment, death, and even hell itself. But he had been redeemed, set free, forgiven by the holy blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross. He had been declared righteous by Christ's victorious resurrection from the dead. He had been washed clean and robed with this righteousness in the waters of holy baptism. He had feasted on Christ's body and blood in the Holy Supper. Filled with the forgiveness of sins. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with a courage not only to believe, but to confess. To confess in word and deed that Jesus is indeed the Son of God given by the Father for the forgiveness of sins for the entire world. That Jesus, crucified and risen, is His Savior and our Savior. And that this message and this message alone fills us with hope and peace and courage to live and even to die in the safety of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. My friends, today, we rejoice for all those who have made the good confession. But especially, we rejoice in the forgiveness, life, and salvation freely given to you, to me, and to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God the Holy Spirit remove our spirit of timidity and fill us with a spirit of courage as we, together, make the good confession in word and deed. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts our minds, our confession in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we boldly confess the truth of God's word. This morning we speak together the Apostles' Creed. Please stand.